Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you are here on My Turning Point, where today our guest is Megan Trainer. This was a really fun interview. Had a lot of fun talking about all about that base, of course, sports, and Megan's brother and his dating life, and how Megan might be the best wing person in the world. We'll let you listen and judge for yourself. This is Steve Balton, My Turning Point, and you're here with Megan Trainer. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. Thank so, you. Thanks for coming here. Of course. Who wouldn't want to come to beautiful Burbank? Right? <laughs> here in the, uh, I don't even know what the hell the name of this hotel is. I don't is. know. I come here all the time to do press like this, and I really? don't know what it's called. Albarano? Amarano. Amarano. Now, you know what cracks me up about that, though? Is, did you ever see the movie American Sweethearts? With John Cusack and Catherine Zeta-Jones and Julia Roberts, and there's one more, Billy Crystal. My mom's going to slap me for this. No. All right, well, I highly recommend that. Okay. It's one of the funniest movies ever made. Oh, wow. And it also has one of the best press junket scenes you will ever see. Yes, I love So every time that. you talk about coming to someplace like this to do all the interviews, I immediately think That's of- That's your thought. Yeah, exactly. I could just picture that movie in my head. So you have to see it by the next okay. time we talk and Tonight, you, will, you will tell me, it. but yes. <laughs> all right, so the premise of the podcast is called My Turning Point, and- Everyone from Flea and Robbie Robertson to ASAP Ferg and Liz Fair have done it. And what it is, is you pick a turning point moment in your life, and that is the jumping off point for the interview. So it can go personal or professional. People have gone both directions. Some people go really personal. Some people go more musical. Whatever you are comfortable with. And what's really fascinating about this, by the way, is 99 times out of 100, we find that no matter how far back you go, it ties into the current music you're making. Wow, yeah. As yeah. Um, the turning point in my life that changed everything. Yeah, one turning point moment in your life. And of course I, I preface it with the fact, look, no one has just one turning point moment. I know. How am that, I supposed to pick one? Well pick one that comes to mind. I mean a few people have done two, so if you want to do two, you are okay. allowed. But you know like Duff McKagan did two because Duff McKagan's lived hundred and sixty eight lives. Yeah. I think the t- big turning point was when I uh, got a songwriting publishing deal at the age of 17, turning 18 in high school. Left high school at lunchtime to go sign it, so I felt pretty cool. Um, and and then, yeah, I, I wrote all about that bass in that time, and my life flipped upside down, and it was great, and all my dreams came true. <laughs> huh? that's, a, that's a condensed version of a turning point, and it's funny, yeah. and it, you know? So interesting, looking back on it, were those all your dreams? It was a lot of them, yeah. A lot of dreams that I didn't think could happen. I was very, um, uh, I had a lot of self-doubt and was very insecure about my looks and me as a performer and an artist because I was always told, wow, you're a great songwriter and you could be an artist one day. And I took that as you're not pretty enough or you're not ready to be an artist and you can't handle what it takes to be a, an artist and be the face of music. 
So, and it was probably not what they meant, but I took it as like, oh, no one sees me as a pop star, probably because of my look. So I'll just chill in the background and write songs for everyone and do what I love. And one day I'll be a pop star. But because of me being honest with my songwriting and writing all about that bass, it like, it was his own rocket ship that went out of control. And I was just holding on for dear life, trying to keep up and watching my dreams come true all in like a few years. What's well, funny what you say about the, you know, the, the being honest with your songwriting. Because I just did a NAM panel with Phineas the other day, who's become a friend, and we've talked a lot about this. And, you know, he started off writing, and then as soon as he's writing, he's like, oh, well, my sister's a better singer, so I'm going to give her everything to do because when your sister's Billie Eilish you're like well what the fuck am I going to do singing yeah you know but then he's like at a certain point I realized I started writing songs that were so personal I couldn't picture anybody else singing them and that's when I decided to sing was that similarly the case for you where it was just simply okay you say I was going to be a songwriter but you realize you know what the stuff I'm singing there's no one else who could really convey what it is I'm trying to say because it's my life mine happened like that but it was more of like an accident like I wrote so many songs and I went for a long time I mean I was 17 to 18 I for a year not a long time for a year I would be like okay what would this artist want to sing about and I'd try to put myself in their shoes I've never met them I don't know anything about them I don't know what their life is like uh so one day I just was like all right I'm just gonna write a great song instead and I started writing whatever I liked, whatever I personally liked and enjoyed. And All About the Bass was one of those songs. And I didn't even love it when I was done with it. I was just like, this is crazy. And we were laughing while writing it because we were like, well, no one's going to sing this song because of the skinny bitches line and because of like how funny it is. But also like who's out there that is thick enough to talk about loving their curves. And we were like, I don't know. Beyonce loves her curves and... Um, Adele's really confident and beautiful, so but it's like so not them. So I I wrote all about the bass and was like, well, this will never be heard and it'll just be on the shelf forever. And nine months later, um, L.A. Rita Epic Records heard it and was like, whoever's singing the song, just go get them. And then they found me and <laughs> didn't leave Nashville until I signed a record deal. <laughs> Basically, it's such a funny thing, and we're going to bring this in to treat myself in a second because I imagine that the growth of a songwriter has a lot to do with the success of this. But at the same time, it's one thing that's always so interesting. I talk about this with artists all the time, right? When you're in the middle of something, it's so hard to have any perspective on what's happening. It's only later on that you can look back and be like, okay, I kind of understand it now. Like one of my favorite quotes is Brandon Boyd from Incubus telling me that it takes him two years to figure out what any Incubus album is about. And that <laughs> makes it, but it makes total sense as an artist. Yeah. So for you, can you now look back on it and sort of be like, okay, now I understand the all about that bass phenomenon? Because at the time it's happening, yeah. you're like, oh, I, I hated the song. I was like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't hate it, but I was like, this isn't like my other songs. And because it was doo wop, they're like, okay, write a whole doo wop album with this one guy. And I was like, okay, I could do that. But like, there's so much more to me. Like, I can do. Caribbean like soca music and I could do pop and I could do dance tracks like I could do so much more like let me do something more and the only song I really slid in that um it took a lot and I I got a lot of people telling me don't do it was like I'm gonna lose you so it was like it yeah it was hard I forget what your question was but it was hard to 
be creative and loud at first. Well, the question was, can you now sort of have the perspective and look back oh, and yeah, see like why that song became? There is the- one day that I was driving on Nantucket. I was driving to the dump because <laughs> that's how we take out our trash, and um, <laughs> we live on an island. It's confusing. And, but see, um, I love that too because it's that it's it's uh, after you've had the hit song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was just talking about this with like people the other day. It's funny. I don't, I don't, I do so many interviews. I don't want to keep name dropping, but fine. I was talking about with Dave Grohl, and we were talking yeah. about like when you have that craziness in life, you like that routine. I imagine it's like when you've come from Grammys and all that shit. It's kind of fun to go to the dump or whatever it is. Oh, or like yeah. for him, it's the barbecuing or whatever it is. Yeah. So and and I it's, mean, you know, it's that going time. to the Grammys, I was living at Park La Brea. <laughs> Like, and I, I lost my keys and they wouldn't let me in the apartment. And I was like, I'm in a gown. Like, I'm in, I'm a somebody. Let me into my, I pay rent. Like, they wouldn't let me up. It was a whole thing. But yeah, I, we, we were driving to the dump and I, um, the radio was on and I was like, what's this bop? And it was my song. It was really low. And, and I turned it up a tiny bit and hearing it on a low volume on the radio in the car, I was like, oh, I get it. And my brother was like, see, don't you get it, dude? Like, it's just a bop. Like, it just feels right. And then we heard it. And I was like, wow, this is, yeah, I get it now. And it's funny and charming and honest. And I love that because I've heard from so many artists over the years about how they have heard their songs and didn't even know it was them. Oh, yeah. It's a very common phenomenon, actually. Yeah, sometimes I'll listen extra hard in stores now because I'm like, is that me? And then I'm like, oh, it's me. <laughs> and like, sometimes it won't be me and I'll shazam it just to be like, I would write that. Who is this? Should I write with them? Like, it's. So, it's who was the last artist you found that way? Oh, man, it's on my shazam. I found one yesterday. It was such a good song. Oh, I don't know what the name is. I just like, I want to shout them out so bad too. Will you text Daryl and ask him what it was? Yeah. But it was, it, I was at the mall all day yesterday buying gifts for everyone. <laughs> and I, I constantly shazam. I'm like, I got to figure out who's producing this or who's writing this. All right, what's the best gift you've ever gotten anyone? Because it's much more fun to give a good gift than to get a good gift. Mm-hmm. I mean, a good gift. I don't know. I, I get so many random different gifts. No, the best gift like, you've ever gotten anyone. You've bought for Yeah. But that depends on like what's awesome to some people. Like I bought um what? A, oh, I bought my husband a toilet. That wasn't a good gift. It doesn't work. It was very expensive. I bought family members houses. That was really good. I um I like my one friend, she doesn't like physical things. So I spent like five grand on a charity that she really loves for so Christmas. That's an awesome and gift was like, that's meaningful. And she was bawling all night. So I love whatever the person loves. I try to figure them out and really get to know them. That's my favorite kind of gift. That's nice. what we were doing at the mall all day yesterday. It was exhausting. <laughs> I was like, they're not going to like this. It's material things, you know? Right. But they'll love it. All right, so it's funny what you're talking about the you know on the album and how you wanted to you were supposed to make an album of all about that bass, just twenty doo wop songs, yes, literally. So for you, how rewarding has Treat Myself been? Because it's I mean it's an album that it's funny. I walk into the room and Luke doing the publish. She's like, "How good is this album?" Oh my god, Luke! <laughs> and it's the it's the eclecticism though that I really love in it. Like I mean that you go from a song like Funk, and by the way, I listen to everything all the way through. Still, I'm wow. like old school. So I suck with Thank titles. Thank you. Wow, thanks for doing that. A so, lot of people don't actually listen to it when you send it. 
Yeah, you know, well, it's funny. Nice. I remember the first time when someone said to me, like, oh, thank you for listening to my album. I'm like, I'm interviewing you. That's a waste of my time, too. Dude. Why wouldn't you do that, you know? But then you go into, like, Baby Girl and work, and, like, just that sort of mix, that, that, like, four, five, six, that's sort of where you have the ballad, the upbeat. You know, so for you, how much yeah. fun was it to do an album like this where you just get to stretch out and you show every side of Megan Trainer? If you go back to, like, I hope you don't go back, but if you go back <laughs> and see, I wrote albums and produced them when I was, like, 17. I had, like, two that came out before my first real official album with a label. And every so- song on there was, like, a different genre. And I always thought, like... Well, my friends are so different. This one friend listens to country, and this one listens to T Pain with me. And I grew up listening to T Pain, and and then to Ray Charles and ABBA, and all over the place. And I wanted my albums if some random person picked it up that they would at least like one song. That was like a big thing to me. I don't know why. And so for this album, you can see I've, I very much stuck to my gut and put on. I always say, "May the best song win," whether it's like lyrically, this isn't where I'm at right now. Because a few songs on the album are about my brother's love life, which is funny, but I just wanted it to be relatable. And I want, because I know not everyone has found their soulmate like I have. I'm very lucky. So, but I wanted to still relate to all my fans and, and like give the broken hearts out there a hug. That's a really important question. How does your brother feel about being depicted? In the album, and and when Loves you it. when you played him the first song, oh yeah, that's like a great calling card to meet chicks. Oh by the God. way, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like heads up world, my brother's single. He's a great guy. He can write a great song. Yeah, they. I mean, my brother. And then he could just go into a bar, like you know, go into any store, and there's like, oh, that's that's a song about me. Yeah. Oh, we sat the girl down and we played him for her. <laughs> yeah, I'm so. I was. We're so weird. We're very open. We're like. Come on over. Check this new song we wrote. It's about you. Like, Okay, how'd she take that? She was, I mean, imagine this girl sitting in the middle of my entire family at my house with a boombox in her face and we're playing like funk and lie to me. And I mean, she, she was just like probably the most uncomfortable, but we love that. We love those uncomfortable moments. But um, she was like, this is a great song. <laughs> Please tell me you were filming this, by the way. No, no, no. I don't know. And then, like, they ended up not being together. So it was, like, heartbreaks in the end. But we got great songs out of it. Like, amazing songs. This poor girl. Wow. That's kind Maybe of messed up, though, she... though, as the artist, though. Because here's the thing. You get the soulmate and the happy love life. And oh, the yeah. great songs is the artist, and yeah. your brother gets the misery. Dude, every, <laughs> now every session, I'm like, bro, what's it like for you? Like... <laughs> How we doing today? How we feel? Are you just going to start going on like his Bumble dates and shit too? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm... Well, no. He. I wish he was on those apps. No, he's... He's just like... He's that guy that's like, I'll never get married. Blah, 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 blah. You know? And I'm like, dude, you're going to have a kid in a year. Like, I know you're going to find someone, fall in love. It's going to be great. He's just awesome. It's just like, I don't know. And and then my family... By the way, the best wing person ever here. Oh, I am. I have been. My, <laughs> his, our, my whole career. No, my whole... In high school, too. If Even if it was like my friends he wanted to like, I'd be like, hey, my brother thinks you're cute. Like, I would always help him out. And, and then none of his friends wanted to hook up with me because they were like, we would never disrespect you, bro. And I was like, oh, you guys suck. <laughs> That's a guy thing, though. That's it's actually a guy thing. it's not. Phoenix, I was like, but- you think my brother will beat you up? My brother's such a loser. Like he won't beat you up. He's too nice, you know. He'll still be mad at them, though. I mean, come no, on. It's just a re- he, no, he was like, guys, it's fine. Like it's whatever. And they were like, no, no, no. We know the code. And I was like, yeah. 
But I get great songs out of him. And he's a great songwriter. Okay, so what, what's, the, what's the best song of the album inspired by your brother? Funk. <laughs> I love funk. Also, Lie to Me. That was like a really fun one that I wrote with my two brothers. It was like us writing to his ex-fling. <laughs> what else did he do? That you then played her all the songs. Oh, I wrote Ashes about, about my younger brother. Because I was in a fight with him. Because he's so stubborn and I'm so stubborn. So together we're like, Ugh. And then I turned it into a love song. So every song, like a lot of songwriters are like, everything's personal and it's about me. And I'm like, yeah, but I can flip it. And I can lyrically flip it so it's a whole new subject and some random person in a whole other country can relate to it. And that's like the coolest part. Well, what's fun about that though, and we're going to come out of the collaborations in a second, but I love that because to me, like what I always love about writing is how subconscious it is. And then things come out you didn't even know you were thinking about. Oh, yeah. So for you, as you go through this album, what were some of those moments where you were just like, you go back and listen to it and you're like, damn, I didn't even know I was thinking that. Or like, fuck, I didn't realize I was so mad at my younger brother. (laughs) Yeah, that one was, it was so clever. It was literally just like, how he would talk to me. He's like, why do you just cry automatically? And so my chorus is like, you can call me a crier, but you hurt <laughs> me bad. Um, but other moments like in funk, um, there's stuff that people might not even understand that's very like about me. Um, I said, uh, miss your body on my body and it ain't hard to get me saucy. <laughs> and that to me means um, it ain't hard to get me like turned up to have a good time because I'm a lightweight and it takes about one glass of wine and I'm like, <laughs> like so there's like moments that I internally think of and I translate it and I'll tell my brother while writing I'm like, I wanted to say this so how can we fit that in a cooler way in this many syllables um, what else, did, oh on Blink I say, I'm an innocent bad bitch so don't even wink and it's, it's like cause I could be sassy but I'm always so sweet like, I've, I've never, if I ever say anything that I think is disrespectful, I'm immediately like, I am so sorry. What can I do to make this up to you? And I'm like a softy. I've always been like a teacher's pet. Like, I've never gotten in trouble, never got detention because I was like, I will never be yelled at. Like, that's my nightmare. But I'm also like, we need to get this done now because it's my dreams and I want it. Blah. So I'm an innocent bad bitch. And I was like, that's that's clever. That's cute. Wait, you never got in trouble in school once? Not once. Not What's the never. worst thing you and ever I did? And I was like, shh, everyone be quiet. What's the worst thing I ever did? Come on, in school. Everyone gets in trouble once, you know? Dude, no. Like, maybe in the fourth grade I was talking once. Oh, my God, I'm scarred from these moments. <laughs> I get scarred, man. I remember being yelled at. Like, if it happens once, I'm like, <gasps> um, yeah, I, like... Honestly, I just, I cannot get in trouble. I freak out. See, this is fascinating to me because I was such a, like, I was a fucking shitty kid. I'm not going to lie. Really? So now, I feel like now, there's no sense of rebellion. I mean, come on. There has to be that one moment. Dude, I said F you to my mom one time in our whole relationship. And she goes, oh, yeah, well, F you. And then we left <laughs> and then we came back crying. And so like, I'm so sorry. Like... My biggest fights were probably my bros, and like I've never been in a bitch fight where I'm slapping. Oh my god, never! I've never been in a physical fight. I've never slapped someone. Like I'm a soft butterfly. I'm just too scared to get yelled at. Yeah. Right. Well, now I won't ask you who it was, but tell the truth. Everyone has someone that they've wanted to slap at some point. This came up again in a Phineas interview. We were talking about. He was talking about oh. some after being in the music industry. There was a. a oh yeah. A, it was a Rise Against song, I believe it was. No, it wasn't Rise Against. It was Against Me. 
where in the lyrics they talk about wanting to go pee on someone's wall. And he's like, after being in the music industry, he's like, I definitely understood that. So who metaphorically, whose wall, do you, who did you want to slap? I won't ask you, but there have to have been people you wanted to slap. Yes. All right. I won't, I won't I put you I got one sp- person is in, in particular <laughs> that I'm like, I could have done without meeting you, you know? Okay. Fair, you know. Yeah. And that's what a great diss song comes for, by the way, too. Yeah. What, what, I mean, what? like, even my most, I remember L.A. Reid was like, I miss you being bitchy. And I was like, <laughs> what? Like when I was writing my second album, he's like, I miss that, that bitchiness. And I was like, well, I didn't know I was being bitchy, but okay. <laughs> like my sassiness, because I was writing all these positive songs. I was like, the kid, they love the self-positive. My fans love that. And he's like, no, 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 I need more sass. And so I left that day and I wrote no. Like, no, ta-da, ah, ta-da, no, no, no. And that was me being like, F you label. I'm never going to write all about that bass ever again. And this is my song now. And they were like, you did it. And I was like, okay. So yeah, my biggest like, I like lips are moving was about a guy at my label. Like you just lied to me the whole time. And like, I gave you bass. You gave me sweet talk saying how I'm your number one. Cause that's what labels do. They're like, you're our most important person here. I'm like, that's messed up. There's a lot of artists here. (laughs) I know you're lying. So yeah. What to you is the best diss song of all time? I don't know. The best diss song? Oh my God, I have to think about it. I don't know. I see one that comes to mind. Just that one song that you think about, like, and every time you hear it, it's just like, ah, uh, just makes you feel like, you know, fires you up. Oh my God. No one will know this song. That's all right. But this was like my favorite growing up. Literally, no one will know this. It's from, <coughs> oh, excuse me. It's from LAX, that girl group. And it was like, forget you. That's all I want to do. <laughs> I got to face the truth. You remember this? Because yeah. this just ain't no good for me. Forget you. It was so sassy and so clever. <laughs> that was like, I would blast it in my bedroom. and be like, I'm done with you to nobody. <laughs> you There's a lot me. of other ones, but that one's like top of my list. <laughs> all right, fair. I asked you your favorite. Now I'm check gonna, it out. Check it out. I was, I'm going to go play it after. Very you got to watch America. I don't think they had any other songs, but that one was it. All right, so we got a deal now. I got to listen yes. to LAX Forget okay. You, and you got to watch America's Sweethearts. <laughs> yes. All right, so let's take this album to the stage. What are the songs from this record that you are most excited to play live when you have that sort of... And it's funny, because you were saying, by the way, too, well, okay, we'll start with that one. Baby Girl. I think Baby Girl, the crowd's going to love. I think I'm going to see tears, and then we're all going to get lit. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet when the beat goes <laughs> pop, 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 pop. It's very like, I told them I've been going a lot of Kanye West Sunday service. And I was like, make this as Kanye as you can. And the producer, Mike Sabbath, who's like a baby, he's 21 years old. He's a child. He just got it and did it all on that day. And I was like, well, wow. He's like, I'm just going to go weird. Okay. I was like, go weirder. Like, that's fine. Uh, so that one, I'm going to actually perform on Good Morning America. <laughs> and I'm like, wake up, Good Morning America. <laughs> I'm about to be loud and emotional. So that one's going to be fun. I think uh, funk is obviously going to be party. Um, what else? There's so many. I need a list. I don't remember the songs. Um, well, if you don't remember them, then I don't feel bad about not remembering the titles I, either. No, so. I got it. Nice I wrote so many. Oh, nice to meet you. That one's going to be hot. And I'm going to do Nikki's verse, which I have under control. Like, I got it. I got her accent. I got everything. So was that a prerequisite for working with her? Was you had to be able to imitate her when you... 
No, it's just like <laughs> I've been growing up trying to learn Nicki Minaj's raps my whole life. So like I got it, you know, like it's easy for me at this point. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the best, but like I, I'm very under control. I remember I performed it for someone. We were just listening to it and he was like, oh, my God, you you like you sound like her. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that'll be that'll be fun. So it's kind of a it's fun, you know, you get to sort of live out the childhood fantasy. So did you also exactly. harbor dreams of being a pussycat doll then? Um yes, duh. Um maybe not being one of them because <laughs> I was like I'll never have this body type and these dance moves and like the sexiness. I've never like ever really felt sexy sexy, but um I've loved their I love their music growing up and I just realized that um I love Black Eyed Peas growing up and I just found out Will I Am. I've been working with him recently on The Voice in the UK and he was like, Oh, I wrote their song Beep and I was like, Hold up. I don't give a keep looking Emma because it don't mean a thing if you're looking Emma. I was like, You wrote that song? And he was like, Yeah, that's supposed to be a Black Eyed Peas song and then we gave it to them and I was like, You're literally gonna make me cry. That's my favorite song. <laughs> like it's so wild how I'm like with my heroes, my songwriting heroes. So yeah, I love Pussycat Dolls. I love Buttons. I thought all their songs were clever and just the perfect pop songs. And I try to write my songs nowadays. Like, what would the Pussycat Dolls sing? You know, what would Black Eyed Peas do right here? Um, and I told Will that I was like, every session, I'm like, how can we make make this verse more like Black Eyed Peas, like fun and dancey and vibey and different? I forgot what your question was. Well, it was just if you wanted to be a pussycat doll, because obviously you work with them oh, on the yes. record as well. Yes, yes. So how'd that one come about? Uh, I wrote that song and was like, uh, that was actually me being frustrated with the label because they were like, you need that one hit, you don't have it yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to write another all about the bass. Like, it was not going to happen. That's its own thing. And I was like, what do they want? They want, um, I'm confident in my body. And I was like, mm, well, my jeans are fire. Like, my mom's skin and, like, she looks young forever. My genetics are, like, excellent. Like, thank you, Mom, for my ass. And, like, my body type is a beautiful, like, hourglass shape that I got from her. Hallelujah. Could have been different. So I was in the shower, <laughs> and I was like, how you get that bod, bod? Uh, is it from God, God? Uh, did you work real hard? Because I was working out every day, too. So I was like, that's kind of fire. And then I missed how, like, they used to spell out pop songs, like B-A-N-A-N-A-S, and, like, all of Fergalicious and how she would spell it out. And I was like, G-E-N-E-T-I-C-S. <gasps> it works, like, rhythmically. You never know. And I was like, G-E-N-E-T-I-C-S. How you get that bass, bass? And I always like going back and winking at your old lyrics to be like, it's me if you didn't know who's singing. So, yeah, I walked in with Genetics, and I was like, this sounds so Pussycat Dolls. I heard there was a rumor they were coming back, and that was, like, years ago. And I made friends with Nicole because I was shooting The Four, the TV show with Diddy and Khaled and um, Fergie, and she was outside shooting The Mask, and I made friends with her. I was like, I worship you. And then I texted her that song one day and was like, would you sing on this? And she was screaming, like, this is a hit. <laughs> And then she came over, I introduced her to Mike Sabbath, was like, you got to work with him if you're doing new Pussycat Doll stuff. He'd be the best. I don't know if they're writing new stuff, but that's how that song came about. And she killed it. She had like no sleep the night before, and she was singing like she was on Broadway. She was screaming. I was like, you're insane. You're so talented. So you're just like the, the consummate wing person, though. Either getting your brother dates yes. or Mike yeah. Sabbath, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, is, that, is that kind of your role in life in addition to being pop stars? Like, okay, you know? So I, like, grew up worshipping my bros. Like, I played all the boy sports. I played, like, <laughs> my friends would be doing softball and I'd be doing baseball. And I played football and did boxing just so I could be around them so they could maybe want to be my best friend too. But I was not. I was, like, annoying forever. And nowadays, I am the coolest sister of all times. I say yes to every sports event that ever needs anything from me because my brother gets to go to the games. And then, yeah, so that's, like, been the best part of this career is bringing my bros to, like, a Kanye West show or, like, the coolest events ever. And we're all like, what are we doing here? So bringing my family to everything is number one. So what's been the best sporting event you took them to? I brought them to the Super Bowl! (laughs) Which year? The last year. We saw Tom Brady again, and they're like, oh, Pats, you know, they're very East Coast. So that was a great game to watch, and I don't know anything about sports, but I was like, we're winning? Like, <laughs> I was just, had the jersey, it was looking cute. Who <laughs> wins it. this year? I don't know who's up this year, bro. Kansas City, San Francisco. What? Oh, this girl's obsessed hey, with sports. Chiefs. The Chiefs. Chiefs? Yeah. I was like, Chiefs? What are we saying? Chiefs. That's what I felt too. That's what we think is a Chiefs. <laughs> I don't know. But I will be at some private gig so that they can have tickets. I will do anything for my brothers. <laughs> I, fl- I had a falcon jump off my arm for them at an LAFC something game. Okay. LA okay. Football Club. Yes. Football. Yes. The soccer one. Let's wrap up on the album because it's interesting okay. to me. I, I think one of the things it's funny because you were saying how you know <laughs> your fans love the body positivity and, and yes, that stuff. Self love songs. Yes, and obviously name the album. And I need myself. them. I think everybody needs them. Yeah, especially in this fucking day and age, mm-hmm. everybody needs something that makes them Help. feel better. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's interesting because I think one thing that's always fascinating is from a writing standpoint is how much people will go through and find sort of recurring themes. And for you on this album, did you find recurring themes? We talked earlier about things that surprise you. Were there recurring themes on this album that kind of surprised you or things that came up or or just when you go back and listen to it as a complete work? Because what's interesting is you're talking about, you know, when you were 17 and you would write and you wanted one song that everyone would like. Yes. But see, that's the difference between making an album when you're 17. I'm still doing that. <laughs> but see, here's the thing. When you listen to this album all the way through, though, it still feels like you all the way through. Really? It doesn't feel like someone... It, it wouldn't work if it felt like someone who was just trying to write a country song and a pop song. Otherwise, you're making That's What I Fucking Call Music. That's sick that you said that. That was like the nicest thing anyone said to me. That's nice. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I've never felt like my album is like, oh, these are all relatives. They're all related. And it means one thing, and that's it. Like, no. I'm just going to write the best that I can and put them all together. And hopefully they'll know it's me. But when you go back and listen to it all the way through, are there things in there, like, are there common themes that sort of come through? Because especially if, oh, you, write, yeah. especially if you write in a concentrated period of time. Like, I have a certain way how I write a song. It's hilarious. Um... I got a rhythm to it. I, I always say I could teach a class, like a master class. I could teach how I write a pop song. I could teach how to write the catchiest, most obnoxious thing that sticks in your brain forever. Um, I know lyrically I've been getting way better and more clever, which was always very tough for me. My melodies have always been there, but like lyrically I had to really push myself and think of like what's cool nowadays. And that's where my brother came in to help. So I wrote a lot of cool lyrics that he approved, and he actually wrote himself. 
Like, he was the one I was like, I want funk to be in a song and I want it to not be cheesy. Good luck, go. <laughs> and he texted me, I missed the way we used to funk. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, that's so cool because, like, the kids will think they're being badass because they're, like, swearing, but they're not. Like, <laughs> I remember as a kid being like, it's not a swear. Like, it's a cool side word or whatever. I don't know. But, like, also a great concept of, like, I miss you. I miss how we used to love and dance. And I miss funk music. That's the coolest thing to me when you got one song that has four meanings and can relate to seven people. I forgot your question again. I have ADD. <laughs> You're good. All right, last question. But we're going to wrap up on this because it's kind of fun for me. Okay. Because, all right. Well, actually, it's a two-part question. Okay. Couple of artists <laughs> that you would love to have yes. in your songwriting masterclass. Just a couple of young artists. To help me out? No, that you would just love to work with, that you would, you know, but on the younger side. and then on Who the flip, I want to teach to? Yeah, on the flip <laughs> side, who would you want to take a songwriting masterclass from? Oh, easy. Phineas. <laughs> <laughs> Easy! Phineas, Bruno Mars. I want to take classes from them. I want to take a class from... The guy who wrote all the ABBA songs. Who? I suck. <laughs> it's like... No, Max no, you're so funny, though. Max Martin. I, I already got a master class from him, like, through life. My yeah. whole life I've been studying Max Martin. But I love to hear him sit down and speak. That'd be sick. Didn't Abba write their own songs? Yeah, the, but there was like a guy, one of the guys in the group. Like I feel like his name was Bjorn. Benny and Bjorn. Yep, I was like, it's the B of okay. Abba. Um, no, but yeah, he was. A, I I listened to a lot of Abba before I started this album. Like I grew up listening to them, but this I was like, let's just bump this for a minute because this is crazy. All right, wait. So what was the Abba song you went back to most during the making of this? Uh, give me, give me, give me a man after midnight And uh, don't go wasting your emotions Lay all your love on me Like I thought it was so mind-blowing that we're starting in minor and it's scary and aggressive and we're ending in angels in heaven on a major chord in one sentence. Isn't it so funny though how 40-something years later timeless you're just never gonna write a better pop song never you, you can no write songs will. as good it's like the same thing that's as I, all i'm doing is trying to write six pop songs into one and hope it's good <laughs> well i was gonna say it's funny i mean it's it's 61 years late right mm -hmm. i still argue to this day that no one has ever written a better rock song than chuck berry johnny be good oh yeah you've written songs as good maybe everyone's just trying <laughs> yeah but you're never gonna write anything better yeah that's what i want i want and i've only done one of those i think all about the bass so far that's like Oh, that's a moment in time and that's timeless and all my songs I'm like this will be timeless this will play in a hundred years and people will love it but like I think you only get one of those special songs or a couple of them throughout your career oh I disagree I think there are multiple ones really? yeah of mine? of any artist oh sick thank you of course I mean you know I mean yeah 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 I mean you know well look at how many freaking songs ABBA had of those true all of them you know oh man Cool. What do you want to add that we did not talk about? Because we covered a lot. Um, I just want to know in a year from now. that song, by the way. I kind of loved what you did Sam. because you pulled out the good things <laughs> oh. from her. Um, I've, done this, I've done this once or twice. Yeah. But can we, by the way, can we please turn your brother's escapades into a dating series? Yes. Oh, my God. They need a TV show. That'd be <laughs> hilarious. We're, we're, Wait, we're, the song I Shazammed is Two Men Embassy featuring Emily Colston. Featuring Emily Colston. Hope I said that right. Was it Be My Love? Mm -hmm. Oh, wait. So, the okay. Be My Love by Two Men Embassy featuring Emily Colston. Cool. Slide that in there. Nice. 
I really loved it. It was cool. It was like old school chords, but like modern and poppy. And her voice was butter. She's just great. Falsetto the whole time. Nice. Which I'll have I don't to check have. that one out as well. I loved it. Cool. I love how smiling and giggly you are. You're so cute. Right, isn't the sports stuff the best? She's the best. Dude. Oh, and I love sports. Hey, this is Steve Balkin, and you've been listening to My Turning Point with special guest Megan Trainer. Yeah, this was a really fun conversation. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Thank you so much, Megan, for being here, for all the laughs, and we wish your brother lots of luck on his dating adventures. Uh, keep us updated, because it's a fun story. you're probably worried that your child is feeling scared sad or alone when all you want is for them to just feel like a kid camp kesem is a free week-long overnight camp for children ages 6 to 18 who have a parent facing cancer and was created for kids like yours to have a joyful and empowering summer kids have a blast together enjoying camp activities surrounded by a compassionate community of friends register your child for a free life-changing adventure at kesem.org camp Sometimes you need to take control to make a difference. That's why with FlexPath from Capella University, you're in control. Set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move at a pace that works for you. Discover a different way forward at capella.edu. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.